Hey guys, good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for being here today. I know all of you are here to hear me, no doubt. No, I'm just kidding. These young ladies, first of all, y'all did a phenomenal job, and I had no idea. Yeah, can we give it up for them one more time? I had no idea we were getting the group back together and that you guys had broken up. And uh, so anyway, just appreciate y'all. So Leah, uh, the young lady who, well, she moved around during the song. Leah, raise your hand. Leah is a student here at the University of Mount Olive. And so she, uh, this is her home church. She has been here with us for a little while now. Well, she's back and forth. Her family lives in Spivey's Corner, but when she's on campus, we're, her, we're the home church. And so uh, we just love this young lady, and we love uh, the fact that you brought your friends here today and blessed us. And I want to tell you something about her. See, when y'all saw her today, she looked so sweet and innocent and godly. But this young lady plays basketball. And when she's out on that basketball court, this girl is as tough as nails, man. And uh, she's a fierce competitor, but she loves Jesus. And so we just appreciate uh, Leah and all you young ladies sharing your talent with, with us today. I, I want to say one thing. You know, I thought, about, uh, I, I thought about as I was sitting there, I just appreciate the fact that we can welcome in different styles as a church. You guys understand, let me teach a little bit here. You understand that styles are just a matter of preference, right? And it's okay to have a preference, but it's not okay to have a preference at the exclusion of other styles that are valid. And, and some of y'all are going to be very surprised when you get to heaven and there's a banjo, okay? I'm just telling you right now. And then others of you, you're going to be very surprised when there's a drum set. And so as long as uh, we worship Christ in spirit and in truth, as long as our worship is God-honoring, that's what's most important. And those young ladies worship the Lord, and the praise team that was up here worshiped the Lord. And there's a lot of different styles uh, where God is worshiped and it's God-honoring. Amen? Amen. And so we're just going to be the kind of church that welcomes in all different kinds of styles and love on everybody. So I wanted to teach there a little bit. Uh, real quick, before I get into the sermon, I want to talk to you about bridge groups. So this is the last Sunday to sign up for bridge groups. You've got until the end of the month. Several of them are already full, but we do have some that are open. And I would love for you to avail yourself of those opportunities. There's a men's group on Sunday morning, the Smith Men's Group. There's a women's group on Sunday morning, the Smith Women's Group. They still have some openings. And then the Stroud group that's going to meet every other Wednesday night, they have openings as well. And so if you are not in a bridge group, all of those groups are kid-friendly. There is no excuse. would love for you to jump in a bridge group. And here's the importance of doing that. So this week, I had lunch with a gentleman, and he said, Pastor Andrew, I don't even know if you know this, but, but the relationships that I formed in bridge groups are in large part why my marriage is in a much better place. He said, uh, my wife and I, things weren't going quite well. We hit a little speed bump. We hit a rough patch. And, and things had really started to deteriorate a little bit. 
But I remembered some people in Bridge Group who had shared. I had some relationships with some people who were in Bridge Group with me. And in my time of need, I was able to call on those people. And so I know for the past few weeks, we have talked about the importance of Bridge Groups because of the discipleship that happens there. We're going to open God's Word together. We're going to learn together. We're going to have a chance to ask questions and figure things out together, to study God's Word together. But there's also a chance in those settings to have fellowship. Fellowship that you just don't get a chance to have really quick before or after church. Or when Pastor Ivan says, hey, turn around, high five three people, you're not going to get a chance for really in-depth fellowship. And so uh, it, is, it is real and it is beneficial. And I just thought that was such a neat testimony this week of, of how God can providentially uh, place people in our lives through those groups. So would love for you to jump in a group. And those groups are going to last February, March, and April. And so it's just three months, and then in May we reassess. Another semester will start after that. So we'd love for you guys to avail yourself of that. All right. This is the last Sunday of Sound On. We've been in this sermon series for a few weeks now. And, and I thought to finish out this series, I would talk to you about a time when the sound went off in my world. Not spiritually, so to speak, but, but in a very literal sense. Um, several years ago, I was in, I don't even, elementary school, whatever, and, uh, and, and mom had come to pick us up, me and my sister, she had come to pick us up from school, and it was exciting, it's Friday, woo, no school for the next two days, we're pumped, me and my sister, we're in the back seat, we're just jacked, I don't even know what all was going on that weekend, but I just remember it being such a happy day, such a festive atmosphere, and mom knew we used to love to go through the car wash, and so she said, you guys, the car's there. Y'all want to go through the car? Yeah, mom, that'd be awesome. And do you remember the old school Oldsmobiles? More cars than this may have done it. But you, you guys remember, you would turn on the car radio, and what would happen? The radio antenna would come up. Who remembers cars that were made like that? Come on, help me out. Thank you. So the car antenna, and so we're in there in the car wash. We're just kind of jamming, listening to music. I don't even know. But all of a sudden, tragedy struck. The big brush claimed a victim. The radio antenna was gone. And the sound went off in the Oldsmobile. Now, a few weeks later, we got the the antenna fixed, and we had sound again. Here's why I tell you that story. Everybody's sound didn't turn off when our antenna got messed up. There were still radio waves, air waves. You could have, if you would have tuned in, you could have still heard the radio. But we weren't tuned in. And during this sermon series, what, what, I, what I've been trying to tell you, what I've been trying to preach, what I've been trying to teach, what I've been trying my best to get across is that God is still speaking. Amen? In Scripture, it is the very third verse. Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 says, God said. 
God started speaking in the third verse of Scripture. God continues speaking all the way through the book of Revelation. God was speaking, and in Scripture, it tells us very clearly, He is still speaking. The question is, do we have the sound on? Do we, are, we, are we tuned in? Is un, have we unmuted God's voice. And so week one of this series, we talked about ways that God speaks. Week two, we looked at the prophet Habakkuk. And we spent quite a bit of time that morning in Habakkuk chapter two, verses one and two. Habakkuk prays and then he positions himself to hear God. In verse three, through the rest of that chapter in the book of Habakkuk chapter two, God is speaking. But it's because Habakkuk positioned himself to hear. And then last week we talked about the question, did I just hear from God? That that scripture encourages us, don't believe every spirit that comes along. Don't you need to test the spirits. First John tells us to test the spirits. And so we have these booklets available, the did I just hear from God booklets. I know we ran out last week. We've got a fresh supply. Um, and so those are available at the guest services desk. Go see Dwayne and Terry on your way out. We do have a, a restock there. We want to get that in your hand. And, and I hope you see the progression. I don't know if, it, if you were catching it as we were going through it. But do you see what's happening? God speaks. We position ourselves to hear from the, Him. And then once we hear from Him, we ask the question, Okay, God, was that you? I'm not sure. I want to check. I'm going to go through the seven filters in that booklet. I'm going to test the Spirit to see that it's God. And then that leads us to today. And so the question today is, what do we do once we've heard from God? Okay, I believe I've heard from God. I believe it was Him. He has spoken to me. Now what do I do? There is a faith factor involved. Are we going to do what God has called us to do? Because here's the reality. Let me just let me ask this question. You see if this is you. Have you ever sensed God was telling you to do something, but you didn't do it? I'm not going to make you raise your hands. I don't want to embarrass anybody. But ha- have you ever sensed? And if you think about it long enough, I bet you can think of a, a, an area. Have you ever sensed God was telling you to do something, and you just didn't do it? You weren't sure you could. You began to doubt yourself. You wondered, was that God? Was that not God? Maybe you just didn't have the faith to step out. I would venture to say that every single one of us in this room at some time or another has faced that where we were certain it was God, but we doubted whether or not we could do it. And so we didn't have the faith to step out. Can I share a secret with you this morning? God wants to do amazing things in your life through you. God wants to use you as a tool to accomplish great things for him. Things that are beyond your own ability, beyond your own capability. And the reason that he calls us to those things that he knows we can't do on our own is because God wants to instill A God dependence in us that I need you. God, if you don't help me, if you're not with me, I won't be able to do it. One of the pastors I look up to is uh, Pastor Andy Stanley in Atlanta, Georgia. And he tells a story about when he first launched his church. He had a couple hundred people coming. 
And uh, he, he knew God had called him to pastor this church. He knew uh, that, that this was what he was supposed to do. But he didn't feel qualified. And he didn't feel capable. And, and so the story goes, and this is not verbatim, but you can, you can probably look this up. He wrote to some extent, and again, this isn't, I'm paraphrasing here, but he wrote, God, you got me into this. I need you to see me through. If, if you don't help me, this will be a disaster. And he said, I took that little index card and I put it in my office. And even still, all these years later, I look at it. Now, here's what you need to know about Andy Stanley. He didn't feel like he could lead the church when it was a few hundred people. Now it's tens of thousands of people. One of the largest churches in America. His program, his preaching comes on after Saturday Night Live. He is literally preaching to hundreds of thousands of people each week. But he has a keen awareness. God, I can't do this without you. And so God will put us in those, in those places because he wants, to, he wants to grow our faith. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is talking about the importance of faith. And here's what he says in verse 29. He says, according to your faith, it will be done to you. According to your faith, it will be done to you. The context of that particular verse is Jesus is talking to two blind men. And as he has that conversation with those two blind men, he says uh, that they come and they want to be healed. They say, Jesus, heal us. And he says, do you believe that I am able to do this? Do, do you believe I can? Well, their answer was absolutely yes. And so that's when Jesus looks at them and says, according to your faith, it will be done to you. And they went away healed. Guys, I've, I've shared this illustration with you or this example with you on a couple different occasions. But faith is like a muscle. Faith is like a muscle, and the more we use it, the stronger it gets. The stronger our faith is, the more we can believe God for, the, the greater we can step out, even when we lack even greater details. But the inverse of that is true as well. And, and so if we don't use our faith, if we don't act in faith, then that faith will begin to weaken and atrophy. And you get to a certain point, and it, it, you got to be able to see all of it before you step out. So faith is like a muscle. We've been in this series and we've been saying that God speaks. I want to position myself to hear from him. Once I've heard from him, I, I want to uh, test it and see if it's him. And then once you know it's God, how do I step out no matter what? How do I, how do I act in faith no matter how I feel? And so what I want to do, to you, do today is I want to show you five different phases to building your faith. Five different phases of strengthening your faith. And, and, and what I want to do, a lot of times we stick in one passage. We'll, we'll kind of hang out in one particular place in Scripture. That's called expository preaching. Uh, today, I want to show you that many different people lived. Many people that we look to for encouragement in Scripture lived through these different phases. And so we're going we're gonna to pull examples from many different places. It, it's really going to be like a Bible survey. So I just wanted to give you that heads up going in. Here we go. Phase one. Phase one is the dream phase. It's the dream phase. This is the phase where, where God is speaking to you and you say, you know what? 
I think, I think that's possible. I, it's the ambition phase. It's the goal phase. It's the phase where you say, I, I think there can be a better tomorrow. I think brighter days are ahead. Earlier this week, on Monday, uh, we celebrated the birthday and the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And we honor him for the work that he did uh, He did with racial reconciliation in our country. A- incredible man, incredible ministry. Uh, a life taken far too soon. As a matter of fact, the things that he did are still reverberating in our nation. They're still uh, helping change occur. Incredible man. But as much as he did and as great as his life was, he is probably most known for one speech. You guys know it. it's the I have a what speech. I have a dream. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't set that up very well, but you were Johnny on the spot. Thank you. That I have a dream speech. That I have a dream that although this nation doesn't look like I think it should look right now, although we're far more divided in terms of color than we should be, I dream of a day where that's not the case. This idea of a dream, could, could tomorrow be better? This faith that God can move and God can act. It occurs in many places in Scripture. I think about the Apostle Paul. Before he was Paul, he was Saul. He was on his way. He was on the Damascus Road. We hear often about that Damascus Road experience where God got a hold of him, where God saved him miraculously. And in the next couple of years, what happened is God placed a dream in Saul's heart. You know what? This Jesus that I know about, I want everybody to know about him. I want to go out and plant churches. I want everybody. I want to write letters. I want people everywhere to know and hear about this Jesus that I know about, that I love. God placed a dream in his heart. I think about Moses. Moses was called at the burning bush. And and he didn't think he could do it at first, but he was called. And as time went on, God placed a dream in his heart. I'm going to stand before Pharaoh. I'm going to lead the nation of Israel out of Egyptian captivity. I think about Jabez. Jabez dreamed of acquiring land. Gideon dreamed of freeing his nation. Here's what I'm saying to you, church. Nothing starts happening until someone starts dreaming. But you know what happens? Oftentimes, just like with Gideon. You know, when God called Gideon, Gideon had a lot of excuses. He didn't think he could do it. Gideon said, God, you've you've called me a mighty warrior. I don't see myself that way. I don't think I can do that. I'm, I'm the least of these. I think about with Moses. God appears to Moses at the burning bush. God calls him to do this. And Moses immediately begins coming up with all of these. God, I I can't speak to Pharaoh. I can't lead a nation. I, I can't even speak well. I stutter. And both of these men and, and so many others couldn't see anything but their own limitations. And friends, I believe that for a lot of us, if we're being honest, maybe we're struggling with the same thing. God's placed a dream in your heart, and you wrestle with that insecurity. Me? I mean, it should be done. Somebody should do it, but I don't know. 
if I can. I just just believe that there are many of you in this room this morning, and and you're past these first couple phases. God's already spoken to you. You know it's God. And now the question is, will I have the faith to step out? The dream is in my heart, but am I going to have the faith to move forward with it? And so that takes us into phase two. Phase two is the decision phase. This This is the moment of truth. I know what I'm supposed to do. I believe it's God. Am I going to do it? The decision phase is is where I'm going for it. I'm not going to keep talking about it. I'm not going to wait any longer. I'm going to start the business. I'm going to enroll in those classes. I'm going to go back and get that degree. I'm going to lose the weight. God help us. I made a New Year's resolution this year. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. It is January 26th, and I've got good news. I only have 25 more pounds to go. Okay, I just told that for the last. I probably should have made that New Year's resolution, but anyway, the decision phase. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Decision-making is a faith activity. It's the moment where we push past the fear and say, I'm going to do it. And it may feel like two steps forward and one step back, but we're making progress. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. There's another translation that says, If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done you got to move out when you don't see it all right there in front of you. Here's the reality. If you see it all, it's not faith. You're walking by sight. And God, the way He has set up the kingdom economy is that He will give you enough direction, enough insight to get you going. And then the question is, am I willing to trust Him and move forward even though I don't know how all of this is going to work out? Will I step out in faith? When Nicole and I got married several years ago, <clears throat> when we got married, uh, everybody was really happy for us, but immediately the questions started coming in. Maybe you, guys can, uh, maybe you guys can relate with this. You get married, and then the next question is, when are you guys going to have kids? When are you, man, y'all would make such good parents. And, and, and so our friends started asking, people at church started asking, go to family functions, Thanksgiving, when are you guys going to have kids? I'm ready for some grandbabies. And so I had my answer down pat. I had heard this question enough, I knew how to shut it down. Here was the answer. We're too poor for kids. We ain't got no money. Remember that old Alan Jackson song, Living on Love? We're living on something, it won't money, I'll tell you that. And so people don't really know what to say when you tell them that, and they just kind of walk away. The conversation's over. But then at a certain, and and here's what people's advice would always be. Well, don't wait until you got enough money because you'll never have kids. Here's some of you amening because you know that's the advice you've given. It's the advice you've given. Well, uh, a year or two passed, and things got a little bit better, but I still didn't think we had enough money. 
But we decided we were going to go ahead and have kids because my wife told me we were going to go ahead and have kids. <laughs> Here's the truth. God made a way. He really did. He made a way. And, uh, and, and it was amazing sometimes to see how he made the way. But God made a way. I, I want to be careful. I want to balance that teaching now. You got to use wisdom too. God expects you to use wisdom. This is not a license to be careless. But, but what I'm trying to get you to understand is, what I'm trying to illustrate is, we are not always going to see all the steps before we take that first step. And when God speaks, are we willing to move out and make that decision even though we don't know what the future holds? I think about Abraham. Abraham left home and went to a place that he had never seen. God said, I'll tell you when you get there. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to be with you. But go and move out. I think about Nehemiah. He's the guy that built the wall. He was an excellent team builder. He built the wall he left a pie-eating job to go do that. He was, he was the cupbearer for the king. His job was to taste test all the food and drink before the king had any. That was a pretty sweet gig. He left that because God called him to go back and build that wall. Probably the best example was Peter. Peter left the safety of the boat to walk on the water with Jesus. And he wasn't sure exactly what was going to happen, but he stepped out in faith. And so we have a dream. God spoke into us. God places a dream in our heart. Then we, we decide we're going to do it. And then here's phase three, the delay phase. I wish that wasn't the next phase, but it is. There is most of the, I was going to say always, but occasionally, and it's called a miracle, it is the exception to the rule when God plants a dream in your heart and then immediately you're able to step right into it. Most of the time, there is some sort of delay. We live in a culture where we don't like delays. We avoid, we avoid traffic, the doctor's office, airport, because we don't want to wait. And yet, if we're going to grow our faith, waiting is part of the process. I told you in week two, we looked at Habakkuk. We were in chapter two, verses one and two. I want to show you the very next verse. It's verse three. It says this. This is God speaking. God says, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. In other words, this is the truth. You can believe it or not, but it is absolutely the truth. This is not a lie. If it seems slow, read that next part with me. Wait for it. Wait, because it's going to happen. If it hadn't happened yet, but you know God told you, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Sounds like, it, it sounds at the very end, it, it almost sounds like the verse is contradicting itself, doesn't it? It will not delay. That means... When the appointed time, go back up to the beginning, it awaits the appointed time. And when the appointed time comes, it will not delay. You guys remember that old song, which it may not be. We used to sing it a while back in the church. He's an on-time God. Y'all remember that song? He, nobody? Are you kidding me? Does anybody remember that song? Because I'm getting ready to sing it if you don't. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Well, he may not come when you want him, but he'll. Yeah! 
Thank you to the three people in the back who knew that song. <laughs> Girls, I was really expecting a little bit more help from y'all. You just kind of left me hanging right up here, didn't you? Did y'all know that song? You didn't? Okay. It's older than there. That's all right. It's all right. He's an on-time God. He may not come when you want him. I'd love for there not to be a delay phase. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. He's an on-time God. I think about Abraham. God promised him. He said, Abraham, I'm making a covenant with you. You're going to be the father of many nations. If you could count the stars in the sky, you'd be able to count your descendants. 25 years go by before Abraham has the promised child, before he has Isaac. 25 years. Moses, he was out in the wilderness with the children of Israel. It would have been an 11-day walk. They spent 40 years in the desert. I, I think about Joseph. Joseph went to prison because someone lied on him. Potiphar's wife lied. Joseph goes to prison. Uh, most scholars think it was for about 10 years before the dream came true and he was, he was released. There's a delay phase and delays are part of the faith building process. So here's the deal. If Abraham had to wait and Moses had to wait and Joseph had to wait, why do we think we'll be different? Why do we think we won't have to wait? And then when the waiting comes, when the delay comes, here, here's the most common response. You ready for it? Doubt. Delay and doubt almost always go hand in hand. And yet the delay does not circumvent or thwart God's purpose for your life. Oftentimes the delay is part of the purpose of God for your life. And so the doubt only causes confusion and clouds God's purpose. Yet those two phases, those two things often happen hand in hand. We, we wait a little while and we say, well, God, now I thought you said this. Now, God, I thought you wanted me. And I, I, seems like I heard you correctly. I'll give you an illustration from my life. When I was called into ministry, May 22nd, 2002, undeniably God called me into ministry. And then for years, nothing happened. For years, I went to uh, school. Uh, I got my bachelor's of religious education. I was working at a grocery store. There were... Very, very, very little ministry involvement. I was volunteering in the church, and that was about it. And I sat down with a, a, an elderly pastor one day, and I said, Pastor, I am just frustrated, if I can be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm almost at the place where I'm mad. God called me into ministry. I know he called me into ministry. And now he's not opening up doors for me to do ministry. What's he doing? And he didn't call it the delay phase. Here's what he called it. He said, you're in the pregnancy period. You're, you're at the pregnancy phase. See, when, whenever God places a vision in our heart, that's like when we conceive a child, when a woman conceives a child. And, and once a woman knows she's pregnant, it's an exciting time. You tell everybody. You want people to celebrate with you. You have baby showers. You do gender reveals. You do all this stuff because it's such an exciting time. But when you find out you're pregnant, you're a ways away from laying eyes on that baby, aren't you? 
there is a growth period. There is a maturing period. There is a time where that baby is growing. And if we could, if somehow there were a way to say, you know what? I don't want to wait. I want to go and have this baby. We would actually hurt the child by not allowing it to mature. We would, in, in most cases, we would, it would kill the child. And yet, when it comes to our dreams, when it comes to the things God has called us to, to the things God has placed in our life, we're in such a hurry to see it done. And sometimes we actually, we actually mess up by doing that because what God is doing is He is building a foundation. He is growing. He is developing that dream. The thing that happened is whenever I was given the opportunity to preach, it was like, I've heard other pastors say, it was like a fire shut up in my bones because for so long I had this dream and this vision. I wasn't able to really do it. But the delay was a part of God's purpose. I've got to hurry. Phase four. Here's delays, ugly cousin. You ready? The difficulty phase. Pastor Andrew, this is so encouraging. So you're telling me I'm going to hear from God, I'm going to know it's God, and then I'm going to decide I'm going to do it, and then there's all these problems that are going to happen. Maybe not always, but often, yeah. That's what happens. In in this difficulty phase, the truth is, and we all wish we could skip it, but if it happened easy, it wouldn't require faith. If it happened easy, again, we would be walking by sight and not by faith. Think about Moses. Uh, Moses, I told you about the delays, but there were difficulties as well. There were a couple times where there was no water or a lack of water. There were times where the people backbited and complained and murmured. They said, we don't have any food. God provides manna. A little while later, they're complaining. We don't have the food we want. There were difficulties. Then at one point in the desert, there were snakes. That's difficult. I'm just telling you right there. I think about David. David in 1 Samuel 16, he was anointed as the next king over Israel. He was anointed as the next king, but it wasn't his time yet. King Saul was still in the picture. And so David does what he is supposed to do. He goes and he continues blooming where he's planted. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going back. I'm going to be faithful. And so he goes and he's playing the harp in King Saul's presence. And one day he's playing the harp. It's two chapters later. So in chapter 16, he's appointed as the king or anointed as the king. And then in chapter 18, he's playing the harp and a spear whizzes by his head, hits the wall. Saul had tried to kill him. If people are attempting to murder you, it is a difficult season in your life. Can we all just agree on that? And so what happened is it set up a time where for the next few years in David's life, he was running and hiding in caves. There was difficulty. Difficulty is part of the faith building process. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. It says, in this rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Problems are going to come. Why though? Verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith. I love that phrasing right there. The tested genuineness of your faith. Is your faith genuine? Is your faith authentic? Is your faith real? 
Here's how you know it's tested. How? More precious than gold that perishes, though it, uh, more, pe- more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result. This goes back to the tested genuineness of your faith, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, your faith is growing stronger. These trials that come, these delays that come, these, the, these difficulties, it's growing your faith. The tested genuineness of your faith is revealed after you go through these things. And then that leads to the phase that makes us all shout. That leads to the phase that gets us all excited, that, that we love and that we long for. And that is phase five, the deliverance phase. The deliverance phase. This is where God does the miracle. This is where God provides a solution. This is where the dream comes true. 2 Corinthians 1.10 He delivered us from such a deadly peril and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. So in other words, that verse says He delivered us in the past. He is delivering us. And He will deliver us again, past, present, and future. God will, is, and has delivered us. He is capable. He is strong. He is mighty. The question is, will we be willing to step out on faith and trust Him? This deliverance phase, this is where Noah's boat hits dry ground. This is where Joseph gets out of prison and he uh, sends to the second command over the whole country. This deliverance phase, this is where Jesus was dead in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose again. And he did that for the remission of our sins. Completely delivered. Guys, here's what I want to do. As we, as we wind this series down, and I'm closing out right now, they're going to begin to play some soft music. That way you'll know I'm really done. I don't want to let this series end. And, and, it, and we just leave this place and nothing's different. I I want us when we leave this place that our antenna is up. That we are tuned in to what it is that God would say to us. That, That we're positioning ourselves to hear. That we understand that He speaks. We're positioning ourselves to hear. That that we're testing to see if it's God. And then once we know it's God, we're stepping out in faith. The very first step in all of that is having a relationship with God, knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So what I'd like to do is, I I want to offer everyone here an opportunity for us to do that right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we're not going to call you up to the front. We're not going to, we're not going to do anything to embarrass you. But I'll just say, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, If you're not sure, if you were to die today, if you're not sure you would go to heaven, if you're not sure you're in relationship with Him, today is the day. This is your moment. I want you to know 
Scripture tells us that we can have a blessed assurance. So I'm getting ready to pray a prayer. And this is the first step. The the Christian life is a journey. It's a journey. But today we can take the first step in that relationship. Here's what you pray. Just, Just pray this right there to yourself. God knows your heart. Mean this in your heart. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross. I believe he is a savior and I want him to be my savior. He lived a perfect life. He died a criminal's death. And he did that so that I would have a bridge back to the Father. I pray, God, that you would forgive me of my sins. Pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come live in my heart. God, I cannot live this life, this Christian life on my own. I pray that you would help me to walk it out every single day. To to keep this relationship vibrant and healthy. God, I pray that in Jesus' name. And now, Father, I want to pray for all of those uh, who are under the sound of my voice. I want to pray for every person who's a part of the Bridge Church. God, we thank you that you still speak to us. What an amazing, what an amazing truth. What an amazing opportunity. God, help us that we don't take advantage of it more than we do, that we don't draw in an intimacy more than we do. God, I pray that through this series, that that we would just resolve in ourselves, that we would ask your Holy Spirit to help us, that we would lean in this year in a way that we never have, that we would lean in in our reading of Scripture and our studying of Scripture, that we would lean in by having quiet time with you, time of prayer, unscripted, unhurried time of prayer. God, that we would position ourselves to hear. And then as we've heard the voice of God, that you would give us the faith. We may not feel capable. We may not feel qualified. We may not feel equipped. For some of us, I I believe that for some in this room, it is a large, it is, God's calling you into full-time ministry. For others, God is calling you to be water baptized, to join a bridge group, to be in relationship with other believers. God's calling you to serve, to tithe, to, to be a part of what he's doing here. God, I pray that whatever it is, that you would speak to every person, every heart right now in the name of Jesus, that you would give us clarity, and then, God, that you would continue to work and give us the faith to do what it is you've called us to do. Lord, we are your servants. We want to be tools in your hand. God, our answer is yes, sir. Now show us what it is you'd have us do. I pray all this in Jesus' name and every person said, Amen. Amen.